Okay, it's keynote speaker time. Please allow me to introduce um, our keynote speaker for today, uh, Judith from Connecticut. to stay away from this as soon as I get it where it needs to be. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you can't see me? <laughs> oh. Oh. Hello, I'm Judith, a grateful, recovering, compulsive eater and, and food addict from Danbury, Connecticut. Am I too loud? Okay. <laughs> Although I'm extremely nervous to be here, I'm so, I feel so blessed, and I thank the committee for asking me to speak. When I first came to program, and I used to hear people say that they were grateful, recovering compulsive reader, I thought, why? <laughs> However, that, I am very, very grateful. I know why. Um, had I not had this disease, I would not have found OA or been led to OA, I would not have found my higher power, who I do choose to call God, and I would not have the life that I'm leading today. So I'm extremely grateful, because that's changed my life. I came into OA in 1984, and I've released 55 pounds. Thank you, God. And my daily reprieve, I have a daily reprieve for 19 and a half years. Excuse me. <laughs> I want to say I want to say how much I love the uh, topic or the theme. We light the way of this convention. I love the lighthouses too. Uh, I had a plaque on my desk when I was teaching in school, and I have it now at home. That reminds me that when I hold a light to someone else's path, I can't help but light my own path. And isn't that what program is all about? Sharing our recovery. So I decided to look up the word light in, our, in the big book, in the 12 and 12. And on page 12, Bill's story, when he chose his own God concept, he said, I stood in the sunlight at last. And in AA's uh, 12 and 12, on page 98, and, and when he, they're t talking about step 11, it says, but first of all, we shall want sunlight. Nothing grows in the dark. Meditation is our step out into the sun. And on page 66 in our big book, it says, when it talks about resentments, harboring such feelings shuts us off from the sunlight of the spirit. In my family of origin, my mom used pills, dad used alcohol. He probably was an alcoholic, but, you know, he wasn't labeled that. Uh, he also was a compulsive gambler and a womanizer, and my sister struggled emotionally. So I grew up with a lot of anger, a lot of chaos, and physical and emotional and sexual abuse. I was born a compulsive eater, and in order to numb out everything that was happening in my life, I turned to food, and that numbed my life, what was happening and also my feelings. And I also use shallow breathing. Uh, and to this day, I still, I'm very aware that I need to breathe more deeply. And I'm grateful that 
I started taking chair yoga, and I'm learning to do that. When I came into OA, I couldn't stop binging. And I like acronyms, and the acronym for binge is because I'm not good enough. I hated myself. I didn't feel good enough. I had to, in order to help me feel better about myself, I had to say the mantra, I have enough, I do enough, I'm good enough. And I kept saying that over and over again, and that has helped me along with other things. I always blamed everything. My life was going this way because of all of you. It wasn't my fault. I used to do that. Um, By the way, me not feeling good enough, When in my family of origin, if I came home with an A-, minus, it should have been an A, and that's the way I grew up. I was very self-centered. I was negative. I was filled with shame. There was a lot going on in my family, and I was told not to share those secrets. I had no higher power, and I was paranoid. And my first sponsor put me in my place when she said, you know, I said, well, people are talking about me when I'm walking down the hall. And she says, what makes you think you're so important? (laughs) All of my memories growing up centered around food. I remember with my grandfather, what I, with the ice cream I used to have, and my grandma, the crackers we used to eat, uh, the snacks I used to eat going and coming from dance class. And when I was little, I lived in Pauling, New York. I don't know if anyone knows about that place. But it's a very small town. And when I was little, my favorite holiday was Halloween. I don't know if anyone could identify with that. Um, <laughs> I like Halloween, the costumes now, and I have fun when going to the door, helping other people, giving out the poison. No. Um, <laughs> sorry. I didn't write that down. Um, so... Um, but we would go down the street, dress in our costumes, go in. They'd give us something to eat. They'd love our costumes, go out and go to the next door, and the next door, and just wonderful. Um, another memory growing up in the small town, we'd go down the street to the movies, which was 25 cents, going into the sweet shop, which is next door, with 20 cents, buying two things, going into the movies, and eating that, of course, then going home. And then my mother would let us eat um, the leftover food that she had made for her bridge company. When I babysat, you know how the ba- uh, those of you who babysat, they say, oh, eat anything you want. <laughs> they don't know who they're talking to, right? <laughs> so I'd puff up the bags or, I'd, you know, in the freezer, turn over, you know, the boxes. <laughs> in the sum- one of the summers in college, my college years, I worked at an overnight camp where I didn't feel comfortable with the counselors. So I would take all of their overnight duty and so I wouldn't have to socialize with them and then I'd be able to, I'd watch the kids and afterward we got treated with food and that's what I did. That was one of my worst summers of, um, worst years of compulsive eating, I remember. And my roommate in college, um, she was very thin and her parents would always send her food all wrapped up. And so she'd go out and I'd, have some and try to wrap it up <laughs> as best I could, which wasn't very good. And she'd, we'd get an argument. Did you touch that? No, I didn't have any of it. <laughs> also, um, when I was in college, I used to study outside and all day. And then I'd come in, wouldn't eat all day, study outside, come in. My food would either, my dinner would either be vending machine stuff or I went to University of Connecticut and um, where they have a di- yay, <laughs> where they have a dairy bar, and that would be my my dinner. 
So before OA, I was on lots of diets, hypnosis, behavior modification. <laughs> Nothing worked. Um, I still kept binging. And um, the last enterprise I was on, it was a God thing. I, um, I wasn't very successful at their, quote, maintenance program. I was binging again. And so she handed me the first edition of the Overeaters Anonymous books. She said, I think you... Oh, she was in OA. That was a, the God thing. And so she said, I think you need this program. Read it. So I took the book home. I read it. I was eating, as I was reading it, saying, I'm not that bad. But thank goodness I realized I needed program. So I came in, as I said, in 1984. I struggled until 1991. And one of the things I kept saying to my sponsor, why, why, why? And she'd say, stop analyzing and start utilizing. So I finally was able to get back-to-back abstinence in 91, and I had six years. And I guess I must have thought that I could have one bite of anything. And then I think I must have had more bites because... (laughs) because, Passover, at the, at the end of the Seder, everyone's gone home. And someone brought me something that not only wasn't kosher for Passover, it was not on my food plan. And I ate it. So I was in relapse for two years. Yet looking back, I was in denial. Those two years I was going to meetings. Um, I was in denial about being in relapse. And I love the acronym for denial. Didn't even notice I was lying. So I... Reclaimed my um, the absence I have today, thank goodness, thank you God, on April 1st. And when I look back at those six years um, the, of back-to-back abstinence, I realized I was only using one leg of our program. I was, not, I was using the physical part and, and certainly not the uh, spiritual part at all. So what did I do since 1999? First, I had to watch labels. Um, I came in, when I came into OA, um, we had to follow what was called the gray sheet. Those of you who don't know, it was called gray sheet because it was a food plan written on gray paper. <laughs> um, so anyway, <laughs> it's true. Um, and, but it was very strict, you know, simple program. And um, I realized um, every four or five days I was binge, um, binging again. And they said, uh, I don't know if they still say this, with that program, that's a different program now, but um, you could have sugar if it was fifth ingredient or lower, and I was having no sugar except something in a salad dressing because I couldn't find anything without it. And there was a lot of salad on the program, so every four or five days I'd be binging. So I realized um, I had, I, up to this day, I have to read labels, and there can't be any added sugar. I called my sponsor every day. I would... Um, We'd talk, and then she'd give me a question. We didn't have ROA books, so she'd give me a question, and um, I'd answer the question, call her the next day, talk, and get another question. I was told to use the tools and work the steps then, and I still use the tools, and I work the steps because that's helped me. She stressed service, and I'm glad she did. So in the beginning, she said setting up chairs, giving someone a ride, um, even being absent, of course, is service. And um, so I'm glad she stressed that. 
talking about the tools. I was looking at them, you know, the tools that I, I use. Uh, I, those who know me, I attend lots of meetings. I need, my brain needs lots of meetings. I go to, luckily, in, um, where I live, Danbury, there aren't, they're not big meetings, but we have three different kinds. There's a step meeting. Uh, we read the OA book and um, 12, and, and there's a, um, that's a 12 and step. Anyway, and a big book meeting, that's right. And then I um, go to other open meetings. Um, to me, I, you know, I never know. I need meetings for me, and then I never know if I could share what I have with them. But also, to me, it's like money in the bank. So to me, meetings are really important. Um, my food plan is very basic, um, it's, but it's flexible. We go... Our kids live far away, and we go by train, and I, I know what I can have on the train. Certainly not what I have in the house, but uh, I'm grateful that I can follow a plan for me anywhere I go. Um, and at the 2012 Ottawa Convention, um, just before I was sharing their, um, you know, at a workshop, um, I was talking to someone, and I gave up gluten, so since... 2012. When I came in, I thought I'd never be able to do that. Also, at a retreat, I'm very grateful for some the retreat leader sharing. He held up a piece of paper and he tore off a corner and he said, "This part is um, the food part of the program. The rest of it is the rest of our program." So, uh, to me, that was a very good visual for me. I sponsor, and I'm so grateful. I learned so much from my sponsors, sponsees, and. Also, whenever I say something to a sponsee, it's something I need to hear, too, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I do service mostly in my area. I, I've started meetings. I lead meetings. I've opened meetings. I'm a treasurer of one, and um, I order the books, literature for our, all our groups. Um, but 2006, or a while back before that, I heard God say, you know, you really should start volunteering to do service at conventions. So I started doing that in 2006, and I don't know if any of you were at the New York um, Friar Tuck Convention. Mm. <laughs> Luckily, I was speaking early because I had to leave because I had to keep moving my car. I had a new car. It got flooded, for those of you who don't know. And um, so anyway, but I was able, I was grateful. And I started, you know, speaking uh, there at workshops, at conventions, and also when I'm asked to speak. I read lots of, lots of OA literature, but I want to put in a plug for Seeking a Spiritual Path because to me, those are, it's a compilation of all the literature from our Lifeline, and I love that book. And also the Lifeline monthly ma- magazine. I, to me, I take that with me in the car and pocketbook um, because it's a meeting if you need to wait. Or, I don't know, it's just wonderful to have, I think. I, I also read Voices of Recovery every day. I read for today, but I read... Voices of Recovery every day. And I also write on Voices of Recovery. I'm in an email group that I uh, started to get in, and I'm very grateful because I write on each reading each day and then read other people's uh, emails. Uh, The action plan certainly helps me stay focused on what I need to do each day. And I also, going back to writing, I write prayers sometimes when I need a prayer uh, to write something down, I, I write prayers. Or when something's bothering me, I do write. I used to write God letters, dear God. They're HP letters, that's what it was. And, I, and I'd like to write more, but anyway, that's what I do is writing. The phone call, phone call the phone tool is the hardest for me. Um, 
you know, they, what do they say? It's a heavy 55,000, whatever pounds. But, um, I do talk to my sponsor. I talk to my sponsees. I call people when they're not at meetings. Um, but when I'm struggling, sometimes I have a hard time picking that phone call up, phone up. But, um, I'm glad one of my sponsees reminded me that the email and texting is also part of that tool now. And I do that. So that's good. <laughs> um, I want, <laughs> I now want to share some of the um, things that, the, with the steps that really helped me um, go, when I was going through them and as I go through them. I fought the word um, powerless. When someone said, you, my sponsor said, powerless, you have to be powerless. And I thought it meant helpless. And when I learned that it doesn't mean helpless, uh, it gave me, I certainly accepted. I have to say I'm powerless over people, places, things, everything. Um, but it gave me more power, and so I'm really grateful. It obviously helped me move on to steps two, three, and all the other ones. With step two, I was insulted because it insinuated that I was insane. And <laughs> until I realized I was. Um, <laughs> um, it was insane to keep picking up the food that was going to make me keep eating the food or making me crazy. So I'm, really, I'm glad that I realized that. Each day I turn my life over to God. Um, I some, often sing them. Let's see if I, I was going to do it, maybe. Um, <laughs> in the car, I, um, it's a different tune all the time. I don't know. God, thy will, not mine, be done. Help me know and do thy will. Thank you, God. Amen. I go on and on. I won't. I won't hear. Um, <laughs> um, but it really helps me. Thank you. <laughs> and my parents said I couldn't sing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I grew up with no higher power. My, when my first sponsor asked me, do I have a higher power in my life? And all I remember, it's pretty sad, is when my, I hit my hand on the table, my father would say, God is punishing me. So I had a lot of work to do with that. Um, so someone said, uh, get a bo- God box. I know it could be a can or a jar. I got a box. I had to find the perfect box. Um, I'm not sure if it is, but anyway, I have a God box. And then someone said, um, say thank you for all the good things that are happening in your life. And so I started doing that. I still do that. That helps with my gratitude, even for parking spaces especially. (laughs) I like to be able to drive forward. (laughs) I don't like to back up. Um, And then also acting as if. And then I thought that was phony until... My sponsor said it wasn't. And I act as if a lot. I act as if when I'm fearful, you know, I'm really grateful for all those things that I was told to do. Um, Thinking about being thankful, I even, um, I sat by Roberta, who I just found out, I think Roberta D, I think her name is. Unfortunately, she passed away, I think. But she, I sat by her at a 50th birthday party in New York City. And she gave me uh, Roseanne, our co-founder's address, before she died. And I wrote her a thank you note for OA. So I was really grateful. I was hoping she'd write me back, but she didn't. Um, I say the serenity prayer a lot. I even have a bracelet that I wear all the time that has a serenity prayer on it. I love the acronym FROG, fully relying on God. And I see people around here. I love it. I have to go get those little frogs. I think they're cool. And some people's name tags. Uh, Also, pause, pray, and use spiritual energy. Um, With steps four, in the beginning, I didn't write my assets. 
I don't know if my sponsor told me to, but I didn't. <laughs> and um, I had to go back and put asset, my assets down too because it's important for me to use those strengths, those assets that I have to help ground me as I work my program. With step five, my sponsor was so good when I shared my, uh, you know, all of the abuse. I never shared it with anyone, and she validated me. And uh, she was a loving witness as when I take other people's fifth steps. You know, a, fist, a sponsor is a loving witness. And she said when I was done, she said, you know, you're a survivor. And up until then, I was defining myself by, for, by, by being a victim. And, and then I saw myself in a different way, different perspective, which really changed my life. And so that's when I started really being able to take responsibility for myself. With steps six and seven, six, um, I'm powerless over my shortcomings, and God won't do anything with them. I have to know it's in God's time, and I'm powerless over them. And then seven, with the defects, the only way God's even going to work on them, I have to accept them as part of me. You know, I find something, I'm oh, no, that's another one. But I have to accept, you know, what, what my issues are before God's going to work on them. With step eight, I hadn't put myself at the top until my sponsor said that I had abused myself so badly. And um, so I went back and, you know, made sure to put myself on the top of the list. And my recovery is my amends to myself. But another piece of the eighth step, eighth and ninth, actually, I was told is the forgiveness piece. Because I had to forgive myself for causing harm to anyone. And then I also had to forgive any, anyone else if they had hurt me, because sometimes that's why I might have acted inappropriately. And then I was able to make um, the lists and make my amends uh, in, a, in a more honest way. And with step nine, I shared this at one of the meetings uh, yesterday, um, the biggest amend that I was able to make. And I'm just, I feel so blessed for the program. Um, my father was dying, and I wanted to have a relationship with him before he died. So my sponsor, we had to do it quickly and then I had to revisit some of it. But so I had to, she helped me with a forgiveness piece and my amends to him was that, um, I'm sorry that I wasn't visiting him as much as, you know, I could have. So we did, we kept it, we visited him more before he died and we had a good relationship before he died. And I, I owe that all to the program and my higher power, God, I'm very grateful. With step 10, of course, I have to keep taking my, you know, the inventory um, and making any important, any necessary amends that I need to take to keep my recovery um, healthy. I have to keep doing that and seeing, you know, what I need to change. With 11, um, I talk to God all the time and meditation I love. I'm, I was so grateful this morning. It was a wonderful time with meditation. And I thought I was going to try to come here and say, well, I, I meditated for a month on a regular basis. I meditate, but it's, I want to be more consistent. I love it. And I, it does so much for, more, so much for me, but um, I have a hard time doing it as consistently as I would like. Although I know there's no, there's no, I'm glad I know there's no right way of doing it. No amount of time is necessary, but I do it. As it said in one of the meditations someone read today, um, so, um, you know, I would like to um, do that more. I did, I did do it for the past almost two weeks, but not quite. I wanted to say I did it for two weeks, but I have to be honest. It's an honest program. Um, and, of course, with Step 12, I have to keep working my uh, 
practicing the principles so that I, and staying connected to God so that then I can uh, be there to help others. Because I can't, I know I can't keep my recovery unless I give it away, but I want to give it away, so that's good. <laughs> when I came into OA, I used, uh, as I said, we didn't have um, the big, we didn't have the OA book, so I came in with the, the big book and the 12 on 12. At my, and we, I love reading um, when I read some of the quotes at my meetings, at my big book meetings. So I want to quote a few of them, my favorites, because these have really helped me. On page 30, the delusion that we are like other people has to be smashed. I like visuals, <laughs> smashed. Um, page 33, if planning to stop compulsively overeating, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we'll be immune to our triggers. And 84, discussing step 10 with the hidden promises that we have ceased, I love this, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even our triggers. And if, I did that wrong? No, I'm sorry. And if tempted, we'll recoil from it like a hot flame. That's really powerful for me. And then we are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though... We had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. Thank you, God. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And I have to read the fear of prayer a lot. Um, Please remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And at once we outgrow fear. I can be fearful. And I, might, I have to read that. And then on um, 417, the acceptance prayer, I love that. And the reminders that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations, so I try to keep those low, and directly proportional to my acceptance, so I try to be as accepting as I can. And at one of my meetings, someone, I don't know why I hadn't thought of this, but acceptance doesn't mean I have to like it. I, I just need to accept it. I used to think I don't like it. Um, so I want to. I just want to read uh, one more thing from um, Voices of Recovery because I love that book, and this is about the Twelve Freedoms by from Working the Steps, and this is on July twenty third. Step one: Freedom from the obsession with food. Two: Freedom from insanity and hopelessness. Three: Freedom from the bondage of self. Four: Freedom from dishonesty. Five: Freedom from isolation. Six freedom from running the show, seven, freedom from self-reliance, eight, freedom from blame, nine, freedom from fear of people, 10, freedom from complacency, 11, freedom from loneliness, and 12, freedom from lack of purpose. So today, thanks to my program, I have a higher power, who I do choose to call God, and I have my daily reprieve. I pause, and when I pause, it gives me space so that I don't react, and I I don't feel so alone, and then I might hopefully do the next right thing, acting like a (laughs) grown-up. I'm 73, but I don't know how old I am, you know, emotionally, (laughs) hopefully old. uh, Yeah, anyway. Um, I'm much more positive, and I like the acronym, quit, quit taking it personally. I've learned to love myself, and I used to have to say, I'm going to say this before, but I'll say it again. I'm sorry if I did. I have enough, I do enough, and I am enough. Um, I've let go of a visual. I used to have a visual 
of when I was in Pauling, I'd be a whole bunch of us would be riding down our bikes rather down the, the road, and I was always at the back trying to catch up. And my life, a lot of times, could be I'm trying to catch up, you know. And I've been able because of program, I've been able to let that go, trying to catch up and knowing that I'm I'm doing enough. And when I do something um, that you know a little wrong or something, or if I start to scold myself, I hear. Um, a little voice saying, you're doing the best you can. So that's been a long time, but I'm grateful that I, that is happening. Uh, and I know loving myself helps me with my self-care, you know, my food plan and uh, following recovery. And also um, something happened this summer where we were visiting my oldest daughter, and there was some unacceptable behavior. Or she, was un- she was acting unacceptably. So I didn't want to. We were there two days. We left two days early, and I had to leave makes me extremely sad, but I know that was part of my self-care. So because I love myself, I want to help others and share my experience, strength, and hope. And I'm always seeing God, uh, his guidance, or her, her guidance, God's guidance, um, and the lessons um, in my life. I've learned to take more responsibility in myself and my mistakes. I learn I make a mistake, but I'm not a mistake. Uh, and I'm very grateful for that. Once in a while, the shame will creep up. I'm aware of it. And then I have to see what I'm telling myself so I can rethink, you know, what's happening. Because of my relapse, I have a very healthy respect for my disease that tries to tell me lies that separates me from you, from God, from love, from truth. So I know I can't get complacent. I know I have to stay vigilant, working my program, and I have to be willing to go to any lengths. And I keep, so I always keep doing what worked for my recovery yesterday. And if something wasn't great working, I have to, you know, evaluate it and see how I can change that. So I want to end uh, with a, a reading from um, our third edition of OA, but it's in every book. Uh, but this one's on page 22, and it's Roseanne's story, OA, Keep Coming Back, because I'm really grateful that I did keep coming back. I care about others because I care about myself. Because I kept coming back, I learned the validity of an elementary spiritual principle given to me by the Reverend Rolo M. Boaz, one of OA's earliest supporters. And this is his quote. If you remove your body from the truth, when you are ready, the truth is nowhere to be found. But if you continue to bring your body to the truth, then when you are ready... The truth is waiting there for you. And that's the end of that quote. And then Roseanne adds, And that truth, a promise of recovery, is in every OA meeting when we join hands and pray together and joyously, lovingly encourage one another, keep coming back. Please keep coming and please don't quit before the miracle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.